want to encourage you with some things that I've learned over the years. How many of you, again, get angry? If you didn't raise your hand, then you don't know what I'm talking about. Every single one of you have been gifted with the emotion of anger. So I want to tell you tonight, we're not going to slay the giant of anger. We're going to slay the giant of your flesh. Because it's your flesh that uses anger in an inappropriate manner. Okay? Do you think David ever got angry? Yeah. Oh, man. We go through David's life and we find that here's David's anger. One, we find in Psalm 142, verses 1 and 2, David is pouring out his complaint to God. Any of you ever felt hurt by people? Hurt by circumstances? Just looking out at the world and thinking like, God, why don't you just come and just judge these people? I mean, this is just wrong. That's where David was. And so his, he felt this hurt and this pain based on the things that he was seeing. He felt like there was injustice in the world. And that hurt and pain, he poured out his complaint, which means he was in his anger expressing to God things that were on his heart and mind. He felt hurt. And he was saying, God, this is my complaint to you. He wasn't whining, but he was complaining. He was frustrated. David compared himself to others in Psalm 73. And there in Psalm 73, as he compared himself to others, he was saying, look, I, I see them prospering, and I'm not prospering. What's the deal? I don't understand. Because I'm trying to serve God, and they're not. What's happening? He went on to say, but I finally found that their end is different than my end, so I put my hope in God. But in his frustration, he was pouring out his anger. David was also expressed his anger when fear took hold of him. It was in a moment when he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into the temple, back up to the city of Jerusalem. And in that process, because it had been stolen by the Philistines, and so David brought it back and he was bringing it home, but he didn't do it in the proper way. He put it on an ox cart. It was supposed to be, uh, was supposed to have some poles that went through the rings on this like a box. Everybody know what the Ark of the Covenant is? How many of you know what it is? Raise your hands. Alright. Very quickly. Ark of the Covenant was um, it was like a box, a treasure box if you will, with a lid on it. Inside were the Ten Commandments. And God said, the covenant that I make with you is that if you will walk in these commandments, that I will be your God and you will be my people. And so that Ark of the Covenant was put in the tabernacle, a tent that God instructed Moses to build, and God said, I will come and dwell there on that covenant. So his presence was there constantly with his people. And uh, when they went to war, they would carry this ark with them, and the presence of God would be with them, and the enemies would be defeated. Unless they did it in disobedience to God, which they did, and the Philistines defeated them and grabbed the ark and took it. Okay? So when David's bringing it back now, after he becomes king, it was supposed to be put on... Poles, poles that would slide through the rings on either side of this box. You get a picture of that? And then on the, the priests would hold it up on their shoulders with these poles and walk it back in. David didn't do it, he put it on an ox cart, and it, the ox cart was moving along. It, began, it went over a bump, it looked like the ark was going to fall off, and one of David's, men's put it, David's men put his hand up to stop it, and it was instantly slain. Boom, dead. David's like, and it says, David became angry. He was angry at God. 
One, you didn't quite understand what was going on. Two, this, this sense of God making an immediate judgment on something that was so striking that it, it just struck his heart with a fear, and out of that came anger. David had another point of anger as well. It was more along the lines of what we see in God. In that David's men, at one time, were protecting a bunch of shepherds and a shepherd's sheep owned by a man named Nabal. Really good name, huh? You should name your children Nabal or something like that when you get older. Or when you get old enough to have children, that's what I meant. And so Nabal, yeah, I'm a lot older, like 10 years from now or something. So Nabal, Nabal is, uh, is this really wealthy guy, and David and his men had the opportunity because they were camping out near where Nabal was keeping his herds, and they were protecting him. And then David went, and he asked Nabal, he said, look, we've been doing this for, for a number of months, and um, we would like to have a little bit of payment on that. In other words, would you please gift us with some food? Because we, we need some food right now, so would you gift us? Nabal said, no way. No way. And David's anger was aroused because of an injustice. It was an unjust thing this man was doing. How many of you have experienced some injustices in your life? And what happens with, with that emotion of anger when you, when you find that injustice? Doesn't it kind of rise within you and feel like, oh man, something ought to be done about that. And so that's what David was experiencing as well. You see, we need to recognize that anger is an emotion that is, that is motivated by our hurt, our frustration, our fear, and sometimes by injustices that we see around us. I'll go back over that in a moment, but I want you to begin to think on that. How, what is anger? When it comes to a point of understanding what anger is and, and how it is expressed, here are some illustrations I want you to see on anger. Okay? Do we have those? Oh yeah, so here's frustrated anger. So you can see the look on this, this guy's face. He's just frustrated. And uh, he's obviously angry. If you came up to him and said what's wrong, he would say, eh, nothing, whatever. Then we also have the next one. This is explosive anger. I don't know if any of you ever looked like that, but I've had someone come out of my ears several times. Anybody here? Right? Okay. The next one is, is really weird. This I'll call hostile anger. I don't know how he got his teeth over his lips like that, but I mean, that is... When anger is not, ex when anger is not expressed in a good way, it can look just like that. And then, we have the silent, suppressed anger. And many live there. Because in the church especially, oftentimes we're taught that anger is wrong and you can't be angry. Yeah. Now, I was also raised in a home that we, didn't, we weren't allowed to express our emotions. So if I got angry, I was scolded or punished in some way because anger was wrong. You're not supposed to be angry, so you can't be angry, which made me angrier, but it, it led me to believe that and it disciplined me to suppress it and to hold it down and to keep it there. Which can lead to depression. It can lead to more frustration. 
It can lead to places of where you get to that explosive anger because somewhere along the line there's a pressure cooker that's continuing to build and that's, that pressure has to be released somewhere. And oftentimes with this suppressive, when we suppress anger, what happens is the littlest thing, because it'll build up, build up, build up, build up, build up, build up, and then somebody will just do the slightest thing and you go off. You just totally go off. I know nothing to do that, right? <laughs> just totally go off. And you surprise yourself because you go, why, why, that, what happened didn't warrant what I just did. Where did that come from? And the person that you went off on is like, who is this person? Anybody, uh, you don't have to raise your hand to experience it, but I, I have. So, let's define anger, an expression of anger. I like this from Urban Dictionary. <laughs> what is anger? Anger is an active and passive emotion. When active, an angry person can lash out verbally or physically at an intended target, whether justified or not. When passive anger is often demonstrated in silence, sulking, passive-aggressive behavior, which is often seen in pouting, sometimes just procrastinating with things. There's a hostility to it and a tension. I take this from a book called Overcoming Hurts and Anger by Dr. Carlson. Anger is in, is in and of itself neutral. Would you say that with me? Anger is in and of itself neutral. What does neutral mean? It's neither bad nor good, right? It's just neutral. It is neither right nor wrong, appropriate nor inappropriate, holy or sinful. It is what the anger is, it, if it is what the anger is based on and how the anger is expressed that determines whether the anger is right or wrong. You see, anger is a feeling. Hostility is an attitude of ill will or the desire to inflict harm. Aggressiveness, which is what, what I became, aggressive, I became a very aggressive person, is punitive, destructive. It's a behavior that wants to take advantage of other people and just, just ruin something. It just has to tear things up. It has to destroy things. My wife and I have been married to almost 52 years, precious Joan. When we were dating, apparently I got too serious in our junior year. So we had gone to the junior-senior prom together, and, uh, and we had dated one other time, went to a movie, I think. And, uh, and then I called to ask her out on another date, because I thought, we're going, man. we're going together, you know, this is hot. And she says, sorry, just, yeah. And she said, uh, no, no, I, I'm not going to go out with you anymore. It's like, what? Me? You're not going to, what? what's wrong with me? I'm good, you know? <laughs> and what do you answer? At least then, I don't know. Anyway, but she said, no, I'm not going out with you anymore. Why not? Um, because, like, you want to be really serious, and I don't. It's like, oh, man, I'm so ticked off. I slammed the phone down, broke the phone. <laughs> then I went, you know, I was stomping around our house. And then I punched a hole in the door in the bathroom. Then I punched another hole in, the, in my bedroom wall. And I had to explain all that to my mom when she came home from work. That, that you see, is a 16-year-old showed aggression. 
Anger is a feeling, but it can be expressed in hostility or aggression. And those are wrong and can be sinful. So we need to understand what anger is, first of all. I want you to understand this. I've said it several times, but I want you to hear this. And I want you to say it with me. Anger is a God-given emotion. Would you say that with me? Anger is a God-given emotion. In the Old Testament, the word translated out of the Hebrew, anger, appears 455 times in the Old Testament. 375 times it refers to God's anger. So 455 times in the Old Testament the word anger is used and out of that 375 times it's expressed, it's talking about God's anger, God being angry. How many of you recognize and realize that in Genesis chapter 1 it says in verses 26, 27, we are created in the image of God. We're created in the image of God, and we're going to have like emotions as God has. And God is angry. Not an angry God. He has anger. Because he has the emotion of anger. So it makes perfect sense that he created us with that same emotion. And that's a good emotion. It's not a bad emotion. It's not something to be suppressed. It's not something to be done away with. It's not something that we say is a giant that has to be slain. What has to be slain is hostility and aggression. Yeah. The wrong use of the emotion that is a gift from the living God. Yeah. I want you to catch that. If you don't catch that, then you're always going to be trying to correct anger rather than allowing that to become your servant. You're going to try to suppress it. You're going to try to kill it. You're going to try to slay it. You're going to try to do everything you can to not be angry. But the reality is, you're going to be angry. Because you're going to get hurt. You're going to have frustration. You're going to find that there are issues going on in your life in which, you know, it's just wrong. There's injustices. And if you don't have the emotion of anger, you have no way of knowing what's going on inside of you. You don't understand what's coming against you. So anger is a good emotion. Put that in your notes, please. Anger is a good emotion. It's God's gift to you. God's gift to you. Now, this is how Father God instructs us regarding the emotion of anger. I'm not going to read all these verses. I'm just going to express them. And, and uh, if you want to look at my notes later, if you'll catch all these verses, uh, you can do that. It comes up on the screen, I know. Anger. Here's in Proverbs what it says. Think carefully before expressing anger. Think carefully before expressing anger. How do you, what do you think about anger? If I'm feeling this sense of anger in me, what, are, what should I do? I have to ask myself then the thinking part. Am I hurt by something? Am I frustrated about something? Am I, am I afraid of something? Or has there been an injustice that I've seen that has really affected me? And that's what I'm feeling. See, think before you express your anger. Be patient. Show restraint. Because you see, angry people cause conflicts and get into trouble, and we're to avoid those people. 
all the Proverbs, the Book of Wisdom. So God is teaching and showing us, this is what you can do with anger. This is how to begin to work through anger. Now, what's really exciting to me is the Bible tells us to be angry. What? Did you know that? You did? You didn't. You did. Who didn't know that? Ephesians chapter 4 says, Be angry and do not sin. So there's a command, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. I'm going to share a little more of, of these about this in a moment, but I want you to hear these other translations. Out of the New Living Translation, it says, Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. The message puts it, puts it this way. Go ahead and be angry. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. You see, as I described to you, that's what I did. And anger, though on in certain athletic endeavors, was to my advantage. But in every other area and arena of life, it gave a place for the devil to begin to destroy my life and all my relationships. It made, it made me a person uh, that felt vengeful. It closed me off from relationship. In fact, it, it, it put me in a place where I was afraid of what I might do because of the rages that I would experience. And so I would, I would put a shield, an invisible shield around me. You could only get so close. And if I felt you getting closer, I would just push you away in some way because I was concerned, I was afraid of what I might do if you made me angry. Okay? That's a foothold of the enemy. We're made for relationships, and when, when those relationships are cut off, you can't be a whole person. If you're not a whole person, you're going to begin to die inside. And that's what the enemy wants. He comes to rob, kill, and destroy. In fact, when it says don't give a foothold, in, in the King James Version of the Bible, it says don't give the enemy license. What's interesting about that particular term, excuse <coughs> me, and the way it's translated, you can translate that Greek word in, in all the ways that has been expressed here, just to express something in the English. But when it's used in the King James Version, it's using the Old English terminology of license. Which in England, there was a law that if I owned a home in England, and my family went away on vacation and left the home empty, if someone came and occupied that home while we were away, it would be their home when I got back. Because I left it empty, unoccupied, and I gave them license. I gave them license to come in and occupy my home because they left it unprotected. That's what the enemy wants to do. We have Jesus living in our hearts. But when we allow our emotion of anger to begin to control us, and our flesh gets in that, what happens is we become an angry person, 
And an angry person gives license, gives place to the devil. And he begins to dwell in those areas of our heart and life where Jesus ought to be. Yeah. He doesn't displace Jesus. He could never do that. He cannot displace Jesus. He can never do that. You've, if you've invited Jesus into your heart, Jesus isn't leaving. He doesn't fail us. He doesn't forsake us. He never leaves us. But as we give place to the devil, our mind will become occupied with the things of the enemy. And instead of doing the things that please God, that draw us closer to the Lord, that make us a light to the rest of the world, we begin to do stupid things that destroy our lives and the lives of people around us. You have a choice, you see. I can give place to the enemy, or I can give place to the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to control the emotion of anger, but he does. That's the good thing. He does. Okay? First of all, you have the emotion of anger. It's God's gift to you. It's God's gift to you. But use it appropriately. Dr. Carlson puts it this way. It's appropriate and necessary to be angry, but don't sin in the process. But dissipate the anger constructively before the heat of the emotion is lost, before too much time passes, and before the best opportunity is gone. I don't know what kind of home life all of you have. But if you have parents that you have the opportunity to communicate with and share with, I know in my home, I didn't have that opportunity. Um, if I tried to express how I felt, it was, don't feel that way. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to listen to it. For my mom, it was because she was dealing with so many things, she couldn't deal with one more thing. So for me, I felt like I had nowhere to turn. And as a male, I just felt like I shouldn't feel, so I won't. Which is really dumb, because you do. But you know what I mean? <laughs> So I don't know what your home life might be like. But I would encourage you, you need a place where you can express your feelings, especially the emotion of anger. And if you can do it with a person that you feel angry at in a constructive manner, that's best. When you think about it first, when you process how you're going to communicate it, when you understand where that anger emotion is being motivated by either hurt, they've hurt me, or I perceive they've hurt me, or I feel frustrated by the circumstances, the situations. Maybe I feel frustrated because my parents are like, you can't do this. I know when we were raising our children as they were in high school, I had to learn that I had to start letting go. And that was really difficult for me because I wanted to make sure that they were you know, lined up and doing the right thing, and I want to protect them, I want to keep them safe, I want to, and I don't want them to do stupid things. But we all do stupid things, and that's how we learn. And I realized that the more, may I, is it okay if I touch you? Okay. The more I suppressed and said, no, you will not, no, you will not, the more I tried to control, the more they wanted to rebel. Not rebel in a bad way, it's just like they were bucking the system. And I had to realize I had to let go and I had to trust them to the Lord. Okay? So I, I want to share that. Your parents may be going through a very similar thing. You don't know how fearful it is to let you go. Mm -hmm. okay. 
Because when you're little babies, when you're toddlers, when you got them by the hand, they want to go everywhere you want to go, everything's great, and then suddenly you become teenagers. It's like, what? That's awesome. You guys are awesome. I love, I love teenagers. I think you guys are the best. But the thing is, you want to explore. You want to live life. You want to do your thing. And that's all good, right? But for parents, it's scary. Way scary. So if you're frustrated by your parents, I would hope that you would have parents that would listen to you. If you don't, if you don't, pray for them first. And then come to your leaders here. And sit down and say, I need to talk. I need to talk about what's going on inside of me. I feel this frustration that's coming out in some anger. And I just need to talk about it. Because as you begin to process it and begin to think it through, God will help you to understand how to deal with it. Okay? So you don't have to lash out at your parents. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to say, oh, they're so stupid. I just can't stand them anymore. Get out of this house. If that's you in any way, stop. Don't stop the feeling of emotion or stop feeling angry, but stop and think about why are you so frustrated about? Why are you so hurt? What are you afraid of? Write it out and listen to yourself. And then find that leader, that person with wisdom that you know you can trust, knows Jesus, loves the Lord, and loves you enough to speak truth into your life and to help you process what you're going through. Then the anger, the emotion of anger, will be dissipated and you'll be dealing with it in a proper manner. Okay? Thank you. I thought it was good too, but I just... <laughs> I have fun. Okay. How do we deal with anger practically? I just gave you one practical way. Let me let me share a couple things real quick because I want to move on and be done here, okay? First of all, listen to your feelings, but never allow them to control you. Listen to your feelings, but never allow them to control you. We live by faith, not by sight. And we certainly can't live by feelings. How many of you feel one way in the morning and another way at night? Right? How many of you just, like, you feel this way and ten minutes later you feel a different way? You can't. You can't trust feelings to guide your life, but you have to listen to your feelings because God gifted them to you so you can begin to understand what's going on around you, what's going on inside of you. And so feelings are to be your servants. Feelings are meant to be our servants. And so we need to make them our slaves, not allowing them to control us. Don't be hasty in expressing your anger. Don't you love that verse? Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the hearts of fools. Don't be hasty in expressing your anger. But don't procrastinate in dealing with your anger. As Ephesians says in chapter 4, be angry, but don't let, and don't sin, but don't let the sun go down in your anger, which speaks of, of timing, don't let it go down. It says, in fact, don't go to bed angry. Don't go to sleep. Don't let the sun go down on you 
and have anger. So you need to be able to release the anger, not in expressing it in an inappropriate manner, but you need to begin to immediately, when you know you're feeling the emotion of anger, begin to ask the questions. What's going on? What am I hurt by? What am I frustrated by? What am I fearful of? Or what injustice have I just experienced? Catch that, understand that, and as you begin to see that, then begin to deal with it right now. Don't think it's going to go away. Guys, you and I are really terrible at this. Because if I have a feeling right now, and, okay, and then just, oh, yeah, I kind of think, I don't want to deal with it. I know you guys do that. Not just because I do it, because you do it. Because that's what males do. You see, you ladies, you ladies are more emotion-oriented first and fact-oriented second. And men are more fact-oriented first and emotion-oriented second. Okay? Now for the guys, listen, you guys are laughing, you ladies are laughing, and the guys are going, yeah, yeah, the girls, man, they're just like emotional. Yeah, that's just what they do. They're just like all feelings, man. What's up with that? Because that's how God made us. But he didn't make them emotional creatures any more emotional than you and I are. Guys, did you hear that? The same emotions in them as the same emotion is in us. Oh yeah. Yes. So much more. It's just that it's just that our orientation is different. How we approach things is way different. If you catch this now, you're gonna have really good relationships later. Catch this now. Really catch this now. Men always approach things from a fact. The time this happened was then. This is what I said. No, I did not say that. And the wife is saying, or the girlfriend, or just your friend is saying, well, no, but how I felt about that when that happened was, and you're going, no, that's not, it's this time. It happened at 9 a.m. And no, I didn't say that just that way. I said this, and you didn't hear me. And she's going, I don't care how it was said, and I don't care what time it was. I just want you to know how I feel about it. And the guys are going, yeah, but if you tell me how you feel about it, I don't know how to fix you. Since I don't know how to fix you, I don't want to hear it. Right? Right? Am I right, guys? Okay. Because God never made you and I to fix them. That's right. He made us to love them and appreciate them. saying she's a mother and she wants to mother him. She wants to care for him, you know? It's like, yeah, but 
Just, okay, there's a hole in it. Put some tape around it. It'll be okay. You can't afford it right now. You see, fact, emotion. Emotion is, nobody got care for a child. I am caring for him. I'm bringing home the money and put tape around it. Because you can't afford it now. You see? But as a team, if we work as a team, and I listen, and I hear, and I respond, then as a team, things get accomplished that need to be accomplished. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just this clash, and this argument, and hurt, and frustration, and fear set in, and then we have this anger, and then we have a dissolution of relationship because dissolution, because we've set a wall between us, and that wall is so ugly. Don't set a wall up. Please. And if you have, start tearing it down, break by break until it's gone. Amen. Okay. Am I making any sense? Yeah. Good. All right. Now, here comes the conclusion. I'm not going to read all of Galatians chapter 5. Uh, but I want you to see something here that's so profound. It says, we need to walk by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of our flesh. Okay? The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. First of all, when I have the emotion of anger, and it starts coming up, and I want to deal with it by slugging somebody in the mouth, that is the flesh. That is ungodly. It's the flesh. Because it says there, if you read it all the way through, it says that the flesh does what? It does all these horrible things, but it also has fits of anger. Fits of anger. That's where I used to live. Fits of anger. It wasn't very pleasant. It wasn't good to be around. Because my flesh was controlling my emotions. What is my flesh? It's that nature that I have that wants to rebel against God and wants to say, I know better than God. And therefore, I'm not going to listen to what God says. I'm not going to do what he says. I'm going to do what I want to do. In other words, I'm saying to myself, I'm going to be my own God. How's that working for you? <laughs> right? I'm going to be my own God. God created us not to rule ourselves in the sense that we can become God. That was Satan's proud, full fall. I can be as God. We will never be as God in the sense that we can rule our own lives as he can. He doesn't want to rule us like, do what I tell you to do. You know, we just sang that beautiful, wonderful song. He's good. He's a good, good father. Yeah. And he loves, I'm loved by the living God who's good, always good. He has his, our best intentions in mind. He, he knows how to bless us and fill all the desires of our heart. He's a holy, just, and righteous God. So he's gifted us. Listen now, hear this again. He's gifted us with the Holy Spirit. He's come to live in you and I. Because he's come to live in you and I. He's gifted us with the privilege and the ability to constantly be parented by him. That's what Jesus said when he was with his disciples. I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send another just like me. Identical to me. In fact, he is me. He's the Holy Spirit. 
And he, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, Jesus said. An orphan is a parentless child. I'm not going to leave you like that. I'm going to bring someone who's going to come, and just like I am, in fact, it's going to be me, the Spirit of God, is going to dwell inside of you. If you will receive me and believe and trust in me, and that, when, when you do, then I will parent you, I will teach you, I will guide you, I will enable you. Jesus, did Jesus ever get angry? Yep. Yeah. Remember, he got angry, sir. He, in fact, there was a, a man with a withered hand. It was on the Sabbath. And Jesus was going to heal it. And all the Pharisees said, No, you can't do that on the Sabbath. That is absolutely wrong. That's against God. You will not do that. <laughs> well, they probably didn't speak like that. <laughs> Jesus became angry at their unjust, hard hearts. They were more concerned about their own tradition as opposed to the man's need. What about the money changers? When Jesus came into the temple and saw the money changers who had, who had put all their tables and all their uh, things they were selling, which was needed in the temple, but what they did is they crowded into the court of the Gentiles and crowded out all the people that wanted to come and see God who were not Jewish. And Jesus said, no. And he kicked all those money changers out, overturned their tables, took a whip and chased them out. He was angry. And you might say, well, is that how he should deal with his anger? Yes, because he's God. And that was appropriate to discipline. Did he hurt anyone? No. But he got their attention, didn't he? Now, I'm not suggesting you go into the church and with a whip and start turning over tables. That's not what I'm saying. But here's what Jesus said. Listen now. Listen, hear this carefully. I'm almost done. Go listen to this. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, Verse 28, come unto me, all you who are laboring and heavy laden. You see, some of us get so burdened by the things that are going on in our lives, and we get so burdened by what we do and how we don't do the right thing so often. Jesus, come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Walk alongside of me. And I will teach you. I will train you. I will encourage you to become meek. You know what meek means? No? Meek. Anybody know what meek means? Meek. 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 M-E-E-K. Meek. You guys over there going, yeah, it must be, yes. Humble. Anybody else? Yes. Humble? It means humble, but this is humility. This is the humility that it speaks of. Your emotion, your emotions, all your emotions, God control. That's meekness. All your emotions, God controlled. God ruled over. <laughs> Jesus ruling over your Jesus said, I will teach you how to be meek. I will teach you how to use this emotion of anger and how to effectively work it. Because, you see, the Spirit of God brings this fruit to our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. Tonight, we need to stand in a moment when Pastor Chase comes. And we need to say, Lord, I'm going to slay again this giant of my flesh that wants to take my emotions and thinks it can rule over them. But what comes out, especially in the emotion of anger, is destruction unless the Spirit of God begins to rule 
Gracias.